Hello, my name is Adrian Hodge and welcome back to my show. Today we'll be talking about the news of the day without the stress. And a little bit of a departure, we'll be moving toward kind of a longer format. We're gonna try heading more toward 15, 20 minutes. I very much appreciate the feedback I've been given. I'm looking for more in terms of this. If this works better, you want me to go even longer or heading more toward the 10 minute mark. So either way, I'll appreciate it. Today we'll be talking about the election in 2024. It's a bit of a contentious topic, but I think we're gonna get through it just fine. Before we get started, I think it's important to note something. I'm not going to be someone who ever tells you how to vote, or who to vote for, or if you're a good or bad person for supporting this candidate, or this issue, or not supporting this candidate, or that issue. I think being a good or bad person is how you treat people in everyday life, not who you support in politics. I think if more people remembered that, we'd be doing a lot better as a country. With that out of the way, let's talk about the election for this year. This year we'll be having two candidates, the Democratic candidate for president, Joe Biden, his vice president, Kamala Harris, and the former Republican president, Donald Trump, and his vice president, who is at this time unnamed, running for election this year on Tuesday, November 6th. Let's delve a little into the background of these candidates and see how it affects their outlook and their style of communication and kind of the tone they set for their campaign. Joe Biden was the senator from Delaware for decades. After that, he was Barack Obama's vice president, is currently president of the United States. He's very much a man of the institutions, of the establishment, and, uh, you know, whether or not you think that's good or bad. Uh, that's kind of his background and where he's coming from. He's been around for a very, very long time. He's passed a lot of legislation. Uh, he has a very storied career in the Senate. Donald Trump, on the other hand, came up through the New York City real estate scene. He also owned several uh, casinos, resorts, golf courses, things like that. And uh, for the younger generation, he's most well known for the TV show Celebrity Apprentice. And for being quite famous and kind of uh, in the tabloids, things like that for most of his life. This communicates heavily to a large shift in uh, tone and styles of communication between the two of them. Joe Biden is more of sort of a retail folksy politician. Uh, he's very friendly with sort of um, a lot of news outlets. He's known those people for a very long time. And Donald Trump is completely is the exact opposite. He's often adversarial with the media. Uh, he tends to say or do something very controversial in order to sort of captivate eyeballs. Um, and to draw attention to him and what he's doing. So they both uh, try to use the media just in different ways. The Joe Biden relying on his connections and uh, being on fairly good terms with the media and Donald Trump uh, trying more to force the, the narrative or the, the focus for, for that moment toward himself or toward his causes. Both can be combative and it really comes down to, you know, more preference. If you prefer someone who spoke more of the sort of institutions, of the consensus in Washington, D.C., then you might be leaning more towards Joe Biden. And if you're leaning more towards Donald Trump, you probably lean more towards saying something that, that uh, needs to be said, even if it um, is said in a very uh, negative way or a way that is offensive or disruptive. And again, that's purely down to a matter of taste or, or style. There's no really right or wrong answer there because different issues require different approaches. And without debate and discussion, we're really probably not going to resolve any of our issues. This difference in perception of them as insiders and outsiders, both the way they perceive themselves and the way other people view them, goes to their viewpoint and their view of the world and is heavily dripped into their uh, respective administrations in terms of staffing, policy, and things of that nature. For example, President Biden will often choose people with a long institutional pedigree, a long history of public service like Anthony Blinken, whereas Trump will choose more unorthodox, non-traditional candidates with a background in business or something like that. When it comes down to cabinet members and sort of things that more impact our lives and the direction of our country, it really comes down to whether you prefer people who are more used to working within the institutions, with the institutions, who are more familiar with the Washington consensus, 
which are the things which the leaders of both parties, not necessarily the members, but the leaders of both parties tend to agree on, or whether you want someone who has uh, more new ideas, who is willing to challenge that consensus, even if it means that they don't necessarily know how to work with those institutions or even how to communicate with them. Before we move on to the big issues affecting this election, let's take a moment to talk about the vice presidential candidates. Uh, Kamala Harris is Joe Biden's vice president. Um, she was the junior senator from California, and before that, she was a pretty tough on crime attorney general. Um, unfortunately, we don't really have uh, anyone to compare her to just yet, as Donald Trump has not chosen his vice president. Uh, the rumors sort of around the Beltway War, he was going to pick someone like um, Christine Noem, Noem, who is a governor, or someone like Elise Stefanik, who I believe is a legislator. Now that we discuss the candidates, let's talk about the issues facing us as a nation this year. The biggest issues for American voters this year are the economy, inflation, housing, immigration, and the two foreign wars overseas. We'll also touch on polarization a little bit toward the end of this, and the effects it could have on the election. We'll start with the economy. Currently, we're on track to about 1% GDP growth, maybe two after a few months of stagnant growth for 2024. This is not great, but this is also not the recession many people were expecting. While this outlook is overall a lot better than people thought it would be, there are still severe problems with the cost of living and inflation. Unfortunately, inflation has erased the last few years of wage increases, spiking the cost of food, utilities, gasoline, and other essentials. And if that's something you're dealing with now, especially if you have kids, my heart goes out to you, that can't be easy. As gasoline is required to transport goods to stores, any increase in the price of gasoline also increases the price of consumer goods, which can further increase economic strain. Compounding these issues is a housing shortage with around 3.2 million homes needed. Most of this is due to ongoing issues such as labor shortages from COVID, ongoing disagreements about land use, and the shrinking of the middle class. I know that some of this can seem pretty rough, but I firmly believe things will get better. Now let's move on to the candidates and their positions on these issues. The Biden administration seems to favor more direct intervention in the economy, using stimulus spending and trying to stimulate demand. This can really help people who are struggling to make it through, but it can create long-term problems as too much money chases too few goods, creating inflation. Conversely, there's not really a lot known about what Donald Trump's plans would be. When he was president, he generally pursued more supply-side economics, deregulation, and tax cuts, things of that nature. This may spur production despite ongoing labor shortages. Neither candidate nor their administrations have introduced any novel or new plans, so it's going to be fairly standard what you would see from a Democratic or a Republican president. Either way, action is needed, as the cost of staples like milk and eggs continues to increase, even in areas where they have a low cost of living. It seems to be climbing over $5 and heading more towards 6 or 7 or even 8 That's not sustainable for most people, who may be living paycheck to paycheck. It may not look great now, but we should be able to get out of this slump without a recession and then things will get much better. Now let's move on to what may be the most contentious topic and what may very well decide the outcome of this election, immigration. We are currently experiencing unprecedented levels of immigration uh, beyond really what um, any country could absorb. There seems to be an emerging bipartisan consensus that the levels we are currently experiencing are, are just too much by any measure. It takes years, if not decades, for the federal government to sort of spin up um, adequate resources and personnel generally and we're nowhere near that. It's pretty widely acknowledged that it's a problem now and it's not going away. Currently, there are around 8 million people uh, backlogged with their immigration status undecided. Of those, 2 million are likely to be uh, deported or have pending criminal charges. This is according to Axios and other mainstream journalism outlets. 
The number of migrants crossing the border each year is in the millions, and most of these crossings are unlawful. While this has, to some degree, alleviated the labor shortage, it also creates strong downward pressures on wages for people who are working class or lower middle class. It also further exacerbates problems with housing, as there are too many people looking for too few homes. Here we can see some of the starkest differences between the candidates. The Biden administration favors more unrestricted immigration policy, and the Trump administration, and Donald Trump specifically, were famous for favoring a border wall and more restrictive immigration policy. The Biden administration favors a less restrictive immigration policy and is likely to continue to stay the course, although there have been some recent events pointing toward a compromise. Though this path currently lacks bipartisan buy-in, Donald Trump was famous, and his administration as well, for favoring a more hardline and restrictive immigration policy, um, repeatedly trying to construct a border wall on the southern border. If re-elected, his administration is likely to pursue a similar path. Both paths are valid, and it just comes down to what people value within themselves, their families, and their communities. Let's move on now to foreign policy. There are currently two wars ongoing, the one in Ukraine and the one in Gaza. The war in Ukraine seems to be largely a frozen conflict, with neither side able to gain a decisive advantage. Ukraine, however, is heavily dependent on Western aid, in terms of both arms and money to keep their economy going. This has caused friction among the American populace, as many people see their own neighborhoods and cities being neglected while tens of billions of dollars are sent overseas. The Biden administration was and continues to be heavily internationalist, seeking consensus building among international partners and unlikely to make any rash decisions. Their policy is an open-ended support for Ukraine, both financially and militarily, until, until the conflict is resolved. Conversely, the Trump administration had a much warmer relationship with Russia, and they are likely to push for a negotiated settlement as soon as possible. Even if that settlement is seen as favoring Russia or sort of letting them off the hook for invading Ukraine. The casualties on both sides have been horrendous, with hundreds of thousands of Russians and Ukrainians either injured or killed. And so there is no perfect answer here, whether to stay the course or to sue for any peace which may be available. I wish we had happier news and we can move on to something a little brighter, but for now we'll be moving on to the war in the Middle East, the war in Gaza. The issue of the Israel and Palestine is quite complex, and I'll be discussing at length in a future video to give it more context. But for now let's have an overview of what's happening as it relates to the election this year for us in our country. There remains over 100 hostages, including some American citizens, being held captive by Hamas after that group's terrorist attack into Israel. Major Israeli combat operations in the Gaza have been winding down with the departure of the American aircraft carrier group. The conflict itself seems to be winding down and should likely be over by summer this year. There is not much daylight between the two candidates here, both are staunch supporters of Israel. The conflict, God willing, may also be concluded by the time the election takes place. Moving forward, the Biden administration is most likely to continue to focus on Western partners, particularly in Europe and Canada, to try to push through a two-state solution in the Middle East. Conversely, Donald Trump was more interested in moving forward with the Abraham Accords, a series of treaties normalizing Israel's relationships with their Gulf neighbors. The largest and strongest of which, and wealthiest, is Saudi Arabia. The prospect of normalizing relationships between Saudi Arabia and Israel was one of the driving factors in Hamas's terrorist attack against Israel, as Hamas is backed by Iran, and Israel is backed by the United States. Here we do find some policy differences, with the Biden administration being more likely to pursue the Iran nuclear deal, and Donald Trump more likely to pursue pressure tactics using sanctions and other means. There was also a fairly wide gulf between both Joe Biden and Donald Trump's approach with their relationship with the Saudis. This is due to the Biden administration's perception of the leader of Saudi Arabia, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's alleged murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. 
Conversely, Donald Trump had a very warm relationship with the Saudis due to extensive arms sales and support for their war in Yemen. This will likely have an impact on the status of journalists worldwide, as well as gas prices and social harmony within the United States. I know all this can seem a bit depressing, but it's never as bad as it looks. There is no chance for World War III coming out of the Middle East. That war is already winding down and there is no, and was no, appetite for a broader conflict. With the exception of some Iranian proxies, no other state has joined into this conflict. They have not seriously diminished or cut any economic ties with Israel, and most of them continue to share intelligence with Israel straight through the war. Despite constant saber-rattling, there has been no change in Russia's strategic position in terms of their nuclear forces or things of that nature with regards to Europe. So, despite what some people on the internet may want to tell you, or maybe some people on the news, there will be no draft and there will be no World War III. It could be said of the world that the world is always coming together, and the world is always falling apart. It really depends on your perspective. But with these conflicts either frozen or ending, we should be able to focus on our own internal issues, like polarization, which is something I very much wanted to talk about. And which is the last topic for this episode. I know things are contentious right now, and we're fairly polarized due to social media and internal political disagreements, but we must always remember we are not enemies and we must never be enemies. The issues of the day will be resolved, and in four years, both of these men will be gone from public life, both Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Your relationship with your family, with your friends, with your community, and with your fellow Americans will remain long after these issues are gone, and long after both of these men have exited public life. Though the gulf between politics and governance can appear wide, that does not mean politics is not important. But that does not mean we should allow politics to become central to our identity. To paraphrase the immortal words of Chris Rock, no one is 100% anything, left or right. We should always remember to be people first, to let things swirl around in our heads before making a decision. Though we seem pretty divided now, we always come back together again for a better, safer, and brighter tomorrow. That's been our history, although it's been pretty difficult too. I think if we remember to treat each other with grace and be open-minded, we would be a lot closer to that day than we are now. But I have no doubt we'll get there. There is one last matter I think we should discuss. I thought it would be remiss if I did not bring it up. Both candidates for president are very advanced age, being either in their late 70s in the case of Donald Trump or in their early 80s in the case of Joe Biden. Being president is one of the toughest jobs in the world, and the public perception is that Joe Biden has seen the worst of the aging process. With that said, neither man will likely be doing well at the end of that four years. That is why I believe it is important to not put your faith in men, and to remember that when politics fade and all the fanfare and stuff dies away, it is only love that remains. This concludes this episode of my podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it, and um, I hope you give me some feedback, whether you thought I did a good job or a bad one here, and what you'd like to hear about and what you'd like to see. I try to be as even-handed as possible when discussing these candidates, as I know that tensions and, and passions run pretty high. If I didn't hit the mark there, please let me know. With that said, thank you for listening. So long, good luck, God bless, and I'll see you next time.